Episode 36 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Laurie McGinley. Laurie is a UEFA licensed coach working in under 23 women's football and he joined us to talk specifically about coach health and it's a subject that I've wanted to get someone on to talk about for a while. I think it's a really important area that we don't address enough. We talk a lot about player health and player recovery, but we don't talk about coach health. So I think it was a really important topic to to cover and talk about. Laurie also spoke about positive mindset and the importance of having a positive mindset and how you approach different things throughout your week. And also some key habits that he does throughout his week or throughout his day that hopefully you can take from and maybe implement into your day. Thanks a lot for the support on the podcast. I've had some great feedback recently. I really appreciate everyone listening. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or Spotify and head over to iTunes to leave us a review. I'd really appreciate all the comments that I've had, but I'd appreciate if you put them onto iTunes as well. Um, with a five-star review that'll be amazing thanks a lot for listening and enjoy the episode with Laurie welcome to another episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast today I am joined by Laurie McGinley who is a UEFA licensed coach he's also a head coach of in in under 23s football working in the women's game Laurie how are things I'm very well thank you how are you I'm good, thank you, mate. I know you're struggling a little bit with a bit of hay fever at the moment, but we're going to crack on, aren't we? We're going to fight through it. Definitely, that's what we do. Yeah, that's it, good. So I know a lot of people will be able to tell as soon as you start speaking where you're from, Laurie, but give us a little bit of background on your career so far. Yeah, so I'm actually, I was born in uh, London, but I've lived uh, most of my life in uh, Glasgow. Um from the kind of ages of maybe five, six, seven, I was always playing football. You know, tried to get you know, you know, as you say, a, a club and all that. And you trust. You think you're at that age, you can achieve anything. You know, so you really want to go for it. But I just enjoyed playing football in the streets. You know, out every single day. You know, the summer holidays are now. I was out for all of six weeks. You know, from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night playing football. Um, when I was 10 years old, I had a traumatic brain injury. Uh, I had um, encephalitis, uh, which is the meningitis of the brain, uh, which um, I wrote a blog on. Um, but I, basically, I died three times in the operating theatre, um, which is not great. But again, I, you keep on working that kind of hard work mentality from my parents who you know, have that, you know, that skill, but also that desire to never give up. Um, I from there uh, went to you know went back into school, struggled a little bit, but I still had that desire to go. Do you know what? This is not going to determine you know how you know how much a failure, how much success. I just wanted to work that wee bit harder. You know, from there uh, I got a, a letter through from the SFA when I was eighteen, uh, and I was like. Oh, this is a, you don't get it very often, a letter saying, would you like to play with Scotland? So I phoned the, the disability, head of disability football. Uh, at that time, was Stuart Sharp, who works with the, the USA uh, Paralympic team now. And uh, we just had a chat for about three, four weeks, came in uh, one Sunday. And then the following week, I was in Largs. Um, and then the following week, I made my debut in uh, Finland and then played with the uh, the Scotland national team for five years. I just uh, narrowly missed out on the the Paralympic uh, team, 
and then from there I kind of started to concentrate on my um, on my kind of future of coaching. I got my five hires in uh, school. I done crash hire Spanish, which was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You know, but again, I needed that to get to university. Got a degree uh, through the kind of maybe five six years. I've been working, you know, in football and trying to work my like my reputation up a little bit more every time. Uh, and then I got my I've worked through the kind of different licenses, you know, from my one point one all the way up to my uh, advanced children's license, which uh, I've achieved. And I've just I'm just finishing off my UEFA A license the now, so I'm just uh, hoping to get that uh, completed uh, as soon as possible. But I just believe that if you work that wee bit harder, you know, and achieve, you know, success by setting small goals, then therefore that long-term goal will be there. But say so 10 years, five years, two years, then in six months, you're kind of known, okay, I've, I've got to, you know, get this uh, kind of worked on. But it's all about, you know, different milestones. And do you know what? If you don't make it, you know, as a coach or a player, you always get them skill sets to kind of work that kind of in an industry where leadership is a big uh, part, you know, of uh, the kind of the workplace. And I think from the couple of minutes there, Larry, I think people sort of start to understand your mindset and how you, your sort of outlook on, on life, isn't it? And how you attack things, which is one of the many reasons why we got you on here. But the, we got we got a specific topic we're going to cover today, and that's coach health. And yes. I think a lot of people will take into consideration what you're saying about striving to push on and, and progress your career and as many opportunities out there. Well, the health of a coach is vital, isn't it? And I think it's going to be great speaking to you because you can speak from a player's perspective and a coach perspective. Um, but we'll let, let's start from the player perspective. So go go back to when you were playing and how you looked at coaches and how you think coach health was, um, how or how the health of a coach was affecting their practice. Well, as I, I played for the Scotland Disability Team and that was every, uh, you know, funding was a big... Um, you know, if we were successful, we'd get more funding, you know, through kind of different outlets, you know. But as I said, I, maybe I was, I was a, as a classified eight, which means that my disab- the kind of disability was very minimal, but I still had to, the, my left-hand side was slightly weaker, my right-hand side due to the kind of the brain injury. But as I said, I loved seeing uh, coaches were enthusiastic, you know, and gave 120%, 130% energy the session always went so much better. But see, the when you had to do a shaping exercise and the, the, the session had to slow down, then they've, they've got experience to know, okay, you can't go 60 minutes of high intensity. It has to be, you know, four minutes on, a minute off, four minutes on, or something like that. But we were, you need to have, a, sometimes it's quality over quantity. The, the three different kind of coaches I had were all very different, but always striving for that success to win. Uh, but again, we were, you know, we went to, you know, like, uh, oh, when we were in Largs, you know, you were there for two days, but you were in in the morning, you done a session, in the afternoon, you done a session, at night time, you done a session, but the night time was always just a game of fives or heady tennis. It was always just about fun, but it was just to create that kind of atmosphere. But again, the coaches, you know, their health was to try and, as I said, they wanted to get the best out of us. But, the, again, you need to put in as much as you get out of it, you know, and if you're a coach, there's certain coaches that will, 
you know, I love Klopp and I love uh, Mourinho and I love um, Guardiola, but three totally different kind of mindsets, but it's all had the one kind of mindset of winning, you know, and we were told, you know, to work a wee bit harder, you know, in training, you know, an extra sprint, an extra uh, drink of water, you know, I mean, an extra little thing. But from playing, you know, I think when I tried to transition into a coach, you know, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to be a coach. You're in an impossible situation. But keeping the, you know, you can't keep every player happy. But if you keep them, if you're respectful and you're honest with players, you know, some players might not like it, but they respect you. But then you see players who might not respect you, but still work that wee bit harder. And then, of course, you need to get used to, some players might, you know, I get used to one manager after a month, and then one manager took me 10 months, you know, and some manager, and another manager took me a couple of weeks, just because that's the the different sessions I enjoyed, because I was a striker, but I was also a, fa- I was a, I was a fast player too, so I played in the defence eh, sometimes as a wing-back, but I loved it up and down, up and down, but see when the coach is screaming at you, you know, in a positive way, you know, get up there, get there, get there, get there. I just worked. But that, I like that. You know, an example would have been when we played England in the European Championships in uh, Glasgow in 2010 uh, at Tory Glen. It was a 7.45 kickoff for a reason, to get the crowd going. But I was a lot, I was a lot fitter than I was, you know, back then. But I, I, I worked. But that was because the coach always, you know, that behaviour, also that drive and that help to try and, you know, he looked after himself, so therefore, you know, he kind of done the training with us, you know, so therefore as an example, but we, when we played, we were, we were 1-0 up uh, after the extra time, and the, we were, a long story short, the, the player was 25, uh, 20 yards, uh, the ball got put over my head, and the player was 20 yards, had a head, 20 yard head start, and I could, could just hear the, my coach shouting at me, but it was one of the positive, well, you'll get there, you'll get there, you'll get there, you'll get there, and I did. But because I had that mindset of I'm going to do this because I want to win, but also I had that. You see, afterwards everyone was drained, you know, after the tournament, you know, and uh, you know our prize was brilliant. You know, we got a chippy and an iron brew because that was the only thing we were allowed because the we were our diets were so good. But you know that was that was again you can some see when you're successful and you win something. There's nothing wrong with kind of just relaxing again and recharging your batteries. I think a lot of people talk about coaching, don't they? And I think in strength conditioning coaches, probably more than technical coaching, but you could probably relate the two as well. Yeah. But they'll look at a coach and they'll sort of judge the coach on how they look. And probably with technical coaching, it's it's probably with certain people, they'll look at their, their playing history, if there has even been a playing career, and they'll judge them on that. And a lot of people forget about the, the things they do away from the pitch, don't they? So coaches can be leaders and they can be mentors on and help players with things away from the pitch to help them recover. And that's a vital part of coaching, I think, that gets forgotten about, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You know, like, I, I, when I, I, as I said, I'm 28 now, you know, but I've been coaching for, you know, 15 years, you know, but I've, I've seen it, you know, like, I'm no, I've never played professional, but it's the, I don't know, some ex-pros get a wee bit, uh, might potentially get handed to more things, you know, when we spoke at the soccer science uh, convention, you know, Gary Neville said that ex-pros get a, a leg up, at, but see that way, it was four weeks, but they, and it, uh, not an ex-pro might get two weeks, but they both get found out within the first 
you know, that first month. But as I said, I like to see when it's a, I like to educate myself a lot of the time, but sometimes I just like to go for a walk, you know, no, no, it's just it was a music on or go to the cinema with my wife. You know, I get married, you know, uh, in May and it was about two weeks in on my honeymoon and I went to Bali and it was absolutely brilliant because see that way in the two weeks, I never got a phone call, I never got a text, I never got anything through and I just, I, I kind of read a couple of football books but that was just to relax. You know what I mean? I didn't have any, see sometimes you just, if you think about football all the time, you're always, you're, as a coach, you know this, you're always thinking, you know, what is it going to do? But you need, like, I think social media is a big influence in people working to 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Sometimes that's not going to be good for the players when you are working to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock and the session's at 8 o'clock in the morning. You had five, six hours sleep and the coach is going to be, you know, lethargic potentially. You know, and it's like you the coach has to look after themselves. So therefore the you can give that hundred and ten percent, you know, because sleep's such a big part or and rest, but also turning off, you know, turn your phone off for a couple of hours a day, eh, or at night time put it on silent or go and watch a movie or go for a walk. It's gonna help you out then go then going back to oh, I need to work, I need to work, I need to work. Because if you work, 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 as I said, quality you have to have a quality or a quantity. And I think that is a really important point is that social media now, and we've said this on a few previous podcasts, is a great thing because we can share information so easily. But we can also disguise a lot of stuff that goes on in the background, can't we? So if, if people are looking like they're working 24-7, we've got young coaches or young players trying to do exactly the same, but they're not because they always get found out. If you don't have enough sleep, you're going to get found out. If you don't eat well, you're going to get found out. But it sort of disguises that fact, doesn't it? And, it? and it can be a bit of a negative on players, but also coaches. Well, definitely. You know, like, you see, uh, there's a lot, as I said, we swap beforehand, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the people see things on social media for, they like, see the 10%, but that 90%, could be that person working for 20, uh, 10 hours straight to try and get the perfect session on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. When people, well, honestly, I think people would would actually like, like to see the mistakes, the eight hours of footage. You know what I mean? They obviously, break it down. But this is how I failed. This is how I failed. This is how I failed. Because, see, they see success right away. Like, the, it's just like a player. Let's say a player can't do a Cruyff turn, for example. You know what I mean? They, and they take them the fourth attempt. But they see someone doing it the first time, you know, and they're like, why can't I do this right away? Because the person's failed three, four times beforehand. You know what I mean? But they don't see it. As you said, social media is one of the best things that's ever, you know, been created. But you you have to use it wisely, you know, and you have to be realistic and honest with yourself first. But again, that all becomes down to how much you, you know, how much you're willing to share. You know, and if you're if you put yourself out there, you're going to be vulnerable. Some, you know, some some, you know, some people will make comments, but you know, for every, you know, one bad comment, there's usually a hundred good comments. But we as humans, we like to focus on the negative comments, you know, and you know, and we'll say, someone said that was a brilliant, that was a well done, you know, you successfully done it the fourth time, and then you, some people were saying, oh, you you failed three times, that's fine, but then. That's you need to think of it from a kind of growth mindset point of view, as a fixed mindset. Yeah, definitely. So 
what are some of the things that I know you mentioned it a little bit there about some of the things that you put into play, but what are some um, recommendations or things you've tried to help yourself get away from from it and being and having your brain switched on all the time? So I always every morning um, I go for a forty-five an hour's walk, and that that could be uh, sometimes depends on the mood I'm in, but I usually listen to like an hour's podcast. But that is just for me to get myself motivated for the morning. Uh, and then I might go to the gym afterwards just to kind of clear my head. Uh, again, when I come back from work, I might go for a walk or I might uh, read a book. You know, I read, well, I'm not allowed to buy any more books at the moment because I've got like 400 in my, my bookshelf, but I'm going through them as much as I can. But I like to, you know, I, I listen to a lot of kind of podcasts on kind of different kind of mindsets that kind of thing but the thing about it it's like the flavor of the month you know people like to do this then it's the next one like say it was futsal then it's you know another part another part another part and people just have to you need to stick to your principles you know that routine is so important you know like uh, if you you think you've got a day off have the day off you know what i mean let's say it's a saturday or sunday you've got a day off and you've got your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend that kind of thing or husband wants to do something, you, you plan to do it and you t- you basically turn your phone off for the day, you know, and it's, uh, you be, uh, you might take maybe one call, but then if it's not that important, then you can just tell everyone, you know, this is the hours I work and if it's an emergency, call me, if not, don't disturb me. And see that way, you, you get more buy-in from the people around you, the support network, you know, but... As I said, I like to go, if it's a day off, I'll go into town, I'll go to the cinema, I'll go out for dinner, you know, and just see that way I'll turn my phone off, maybe turn off for a cut three, four hours, and then maybe in the morning, I like to go for a walk, that's just who I am. At night time, I like to go for a walk sometimes, but in the daytime, if it's something, if I want to go out and actually explore things and be interested in something, then I will just take the, the time to just turn off. Nine o'clock, I usually turn my social media off completely. And then by, I like to go and watch something, you know, like a comedy or something like that. It just kind of chills you out for an hour. But sometimes I like to read. But again, it depends on the situations and when you have to come back from training and all these kind of things. But again, I, I would suggest you turn your phone off or your social media off an hour before you go to bed, you know, and then don't worry, don't think about it until potentially the morning. You know, but if you put something out there that's going to cause controversy, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get throughout the night potentially someone trying to you know, let's say troll, but there might be something positive, maybe something negative. But if you if you put something out in the morning, then you've got a full day to try and deal with it. But you don't want to put something out at night time because you, you're you're always thinking, oh, what could happen here? What could happen here? But again, that's my advice. I always say, go for a walk, because that's always the best thing. Write things down. That's another thing I've learned. Write your thoughts and feelings down, because, and also have a mentor. That's the kind of the main things I kind of work with. So therefore, you have that. You can rap with someone, or you can, you know, speak to them or get advice from. Them. I think there's some top quality uh, bits of advice there, Larry. What I was going to say was, what do you? With, with other coaches that you've worked with or maybe that you've come across um, or seen from afar, what do you think coaches, if we were to speak to another coach about this and talk about coach health, what do you think their view on it would be and how important they, they treat it 
Well, I always think when I was younger, you know, going into a session uh, like eighteen and something, you've kind of you've been there for maybe four or five weeks, and you're kind of getting used to the uh, kind of the, the the children or the players you're working with, and then a coach steps in and just basically takes over a session. I think that's a that's a big no no, you know, in my eyes, because that health of the coach will just go down. If I see a coach who's struggling. You always just go, you know, let them, let them struggle for a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? And the session might not go well in the first couple of minutes, but then you just say to the, the players, go get a drink, and then you speak to the coach and say, right, what's uh, what's wrong? What what can we do to help you? You know, and I think that's the main thing. You know, if you actually encourage positivity, say, well, this is what I want to, this is what I want to achieve, but I'm not achieving it. Okay, well, let's simplify it. You know, and then they've got two or three minutes potentially, you know, to change it. And they've changed the mindset. But instead of going and, you know, just change the whole thing and just destroying the session because it's not good, players might not get it, the session right away. But it might take five, ten minutes. But if you simplify it, then I think that's the best answer. When it comes to kind of different coaches, I believe if you speak to them, you know, as, as a human and also just as a, a person who's interested in helping them out, some players, some sort of, me, some coaches uh, don't want help, but they, they want that chat at the end for five minutes, you know, because they're maybe embarrassed or they don't want that, you know, help at the start. But then you just come up to them and say, Do you need to, uh, help? Do you need some guidance? I've got, you know, you say, oh, do, you, do you want me to send me a session over? I can help you out, you know, or do you want to send the session over and walk, walk it through me? What, you know, and, you know, I just think as a, a coach, we need, to, we need to look at every scenario. From a uh, from a, a younger, if there's a coach who's younger or even older, but they're not that experienced, you know, I always look at every session, you know, uh, and reflect what's the good things that's happened, what's the bad things that have happened, how can I deal with this, you know, and therefore you have that kind of way of, you know, that respect for yourself to go, you know, what this is. So I think self uh, reflection is a big, a uh, big part of coaching, but having that uh, someone to get kind of guide you. Is the kind of main thing, and some people don't want guided. Yeah, you know I mean that's kind of maybe a fixed mindset. But then, kind of person with a growth mindset, I'll be saying, right, I want to do this session on my own, but can you help me out in five minutes or at the end of the session? Can you give me an evaluation. And I think that's the kind of main thing you need to. First of all, you have to look after yourself to see how your session is went, and then after that, you need to see right how could I improve this or what can I do to make it better. But I might need that wee bit of help because I don't know what to do. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned before, Larry, about having a mentor. What what would you say the benefits are? What have you found to be most beneficial for you? Uh, well, I've got so many different mentors. I've got people in the sporting world, the football world, the you know, the kind of people who are, you know, mindsets. I, be- I believe you need to surround yourself with positive people and people who are going to help you out. There's no point in, uh, in an environment. You need to be positive. And if there's a person who's been negative or you, they don't believe in the same things as you, you need to get out, you know, as quick as you can. But also that you need to try and, you know, I remember that I was speaking to Alistair McCaw, who's one of my good good friends, but it was always a very good mentor. And he says, see, the, you need to surround yourself with five people who are going to, you know, influence, who are going to shape your life, you know, and these are the five positive people. And sometimes the truth hurts. You know, I've had discussions with many mentors who I've not gone with, but they've told me the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, but you need to think, you know what, this is the better in the long term than in the short term. 
but having people, a support network, you know, friends, family, but also if you don't have the, a mentor, try and get you in to get one as soon as you can. It could be someone as simple as, you know, a parent who's going to help you out, a partner, a brother, but in football, maybe the academy director, a head of coaching, or it could just be the head coach. You could be the assistant and the head coach could be the, the mentor. But again, I believe that uh, if you let them fail, that's the most important thing, because they fail, but then you're going to see success afterwards. You know, But you want to see success growing and growing and growing throughout the years of coaching. Yeah, and I think a good mentor will get that balance right between exposing coaches to certain scenarios, like you're saying about like failing in the session or whatever, but then also be there to support them, won't they? And then someone who's not as efficient or not as good in that role would maybe let that coach fail and then not give the support needed. And then that's when it's a downward spiral then, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You need to find that balance. And as a, also as a coach, you need to find the balance yourself too. You know, because if you go in and you know the session's going to fail, then the players are going to react off that quickly. But you think, right, miss might take a bit of time. Explain it, you know, simplify it, as I said, but also have that, send the session to the, the, the mentor who may be like a pro-license coach or someone who's studies the same information as you, you know, and say, this is what I wanted to work on. How do I make it better, you know, the second time, the third time? And it's always, when the players know they've seen it for the first time, they've got an idea what the second time is going to be like, the third time, etc. So do you think that some of the biggest sort of stresses with coaches are sort of like psychological or would you say a lot of coaches will struggle physically as well? Well, it comes hand in hand. If you are if you are psychologically struggling, then physically you might be potentially comfort eating, you know, or you're struggling with a kind of, you know, let's say your, uh, your results are not going well, you're thinking about it and you're getting a lack of sleep and therefore a lack of sleep physically you're going to feel exhausted. So again, I think rest is a big, uh, you know, but you don't, again, you look at, if you're getting paid a lot of money, you can't really rest, uh, you know, rest a lot because you need to kind of, you know, make the tough decisions. But then players won't respect you too much if you're making the wrong decisions constantly because you're tired and psychologically, you know, struggling. But as again, if you struggle, you're struggling, speak to someone. You know, that's the best thing. I always say it doesn't matter if it's something so simple or something so complicated. The best thing to do is speak to someone and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out? And as I said, that person might spend half an hour with you might spend four hours with you, might spend two minutes with you. But again, that could be the, the difference between, you know, you winning or you losing. I know you mentioned Gary Neville before, because I, I listened to him speak, I think it was on another podcast, but he was talking about managing, um, kind of managing stress, but also managing what you focus your attention on throughout a day. And I remember speaking to um, Darren Roberts years ago and he was talking about this and he referred to it. I don't know if he got it from um, somewhere else or, or from a book. I think it might have been from a book. And excuse my French, but it's, he referred to it as your foot budget. Yeah. And it was basically that you could only give so many fucks per day about things. And if you used them up earlier in the day or on things that weren't important, you struggled then to focus your energy on things that were needed. And that, that can be related to coaching massively because if a player needs you or a, or a coach needs you, but you've wasted all your energy on something else, that's going to become a real struggle. Oh, definitely. But again, that all becomes down to your environment you're working in. You know, like the, the, 
that's why you need a team of people with you. You know, I believe uh, you know Pep Guardiola has about 15 staff with him. You know, at all times, but uh, they're there to to support the players, and then he makes the final decision. But he's focusing on them 15 people, and obviously the 15 people are helping the other kind of the start the other players and all that. But I believe you should, if there's an issue, you need to just create the energy. And do you know what? If you're struggling, just say, do you know what? Give me half an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to just take a coffee or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go for a sleep for half an hour just so I can give you my full attention. You know, and sometimes you just have to say, do you know what? That's fine. Or uh, come and talk to me first thing tomorrow morning. You know, but I think the way, as you said, Gary Neville talks about, you know, the stress sometimes as a football manager, but everyone's stressed. It doesn't matter if you're a football manager or you're working in a, you know, a, a, a place, a shop or anything like that. There's going to be stress somewhere. But the way you deal with it is very... I'm not a psychologist in any way. But I believe talking to people, walking, physical exercise, eating healthy, and also rest is the kind of key aspects of making sure that you've got that kind of team of people around you. Yeah, they're, they're without doubt the foundations of of dealing with that because like you said everyone's under some kind of stress at, at different points throughout a day aren't they and it, it'll be different in different roles or different sports or whatever but it is just how we deal with it and how we um, adapt to certain situations and I think the, the points and the um, tips you've given throughout the episode have been absolutely quality well, thank you can you go no 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 go on boy no, no, I just think if you you need to have a, as I said, there's five or six things you need to you need to be confident in yourself, but you need to have a surround the, you know yourself with positive people. And do you know what? Sometimes I'm not positive about things, but uh, I, I just speak to people. And do you know what? Sometimes a rant is good just to kind of get it out of your system. But then that's the that's you positive, positive, positive. But again, as you said, people on you know social media you see ten percent of the positivity or ninety percent might be people in the struggling, you know, but I believe you you have to be honest and work that hard because we bit harder because see the as you said, ex pros may get a wee bit more advantage. But I don't agree with uh, that kind of statement. Every single coach has to work hard because therefore they have that you know that reputation. You know, and if you're an ex pro, you probably have to work that wee bit harder, even than people of not working the game, because you've got that reputation to, you know, fulfil. Yeah, we've we've all got to take the opportunities given to us, haven't we? And then, and then manage everything else around it. But I think regardless of who it is, everything you've touched on in terms of um, both physically and and sort of emotionally and psychologically, they're really important to bear in mind. And I just hope that this sort of conversation is going on more and more because I think it's really important for, for well, everyone, but in this in this case, coaches. Well, definitely. And I think it's just a simple, you know, it could be a simple, like I spoke to uh, Michael Beal, the, the Rangers coach, and I just went into Costa and we had a conversation for an hour and it was just, a, it was one of the best conversations I've had because we just talked about football, you know, I mean, the jobs and, uh, you know, the stresses of, academies and first team coaching and uh, travelling abroad and he said that's just life you know you can either moan about it or you can go on with it you know and, and you have to as I said there was um, I would recommend someone watching the, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger um, 
documentary. It's like a 15-minute thing. It was called The Best Speech uh, Ever, you know, and it was about, as I said, 15 minutes. And he said, what, what if you got a plan A? You know, do you need a plan A? Or do you need a plan B? Well, you don't need a plan B. You should have everything in plan A. You know, and it's the same as um, the world's strongest man, Eddie Hall. You know, they go for it. And you know what? They sacrifice themselves to get to where they are and they've got the support network to try and get there. But you need to think, right, how can I get this? Have a plan. And you know what? Plans you can get ripped up very, very quickly. But your principles don't get ripped up. You have to keep to them and your values and your standards. Amazing, mate. That's uh, some valuable stuff there. And I just hope it's, it is held as highly regarded as, as a lot of the, like, the technical information that we talk about on the podcast. Because for me, this is, this is absolutely crucial and it's for anyone not just coaches um where is the best place to get in touch with you larry uh, so the uh, best place is probably twitter and it's a uh, laurie mcginley one and uh, through linkedin which is just laurie mcginley um uh, direct messages are always open so if anyone wants to chat i'm happy to you know chat with anyone you know about kind of coaching because that's <laughs> my passion but also i just like to chat with anything just to kind of you know, anything positive, you know what I mean? So there's no point in going negative, as I said. Always just try to keep the positivity, but also having that kind of realism that sometimes you just have to, you know, have that chat with someone who just might be there for you. Yeah, that's amazing, mate. Well, hopefully people reach out. And uh, I know we've not touched on too much in terms of technical um, aspects of coaching. And I know, I know that's something that you could talk about again. So we'll possibly get you on again in the future if you're up for it. Oh, definitely. That's it. I could talk for an off for whatever else about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, quality, mate. Really appreciate your time, Laurie, and I'll uh, hopefully catch up with you soon. No worries at all. Thanks again, Ben. Cheers, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Laurie. Thank you very much for him to give it, um, to him for giving up his time. It was great to get someone on about to talk about coach health. I think it's a really important area that we don't touch on enough, and. It was great for Laurie to talk about his mindset. So when he spoke about what he's been through at a younger age, but also how he approached that and, and came through that and also how he approaches things now and with such a positive mindset. And I think you can get that from the way he speaks on the episode. A big part of that is him talking about mentors and also surrounding yourself with five people. They say, don't they, that the... Um, you're, you are made up of, of, of the five people closest to you and it's important to have those five people being made up of people that are actually going to influence you in a good way. So I think that's really, really important information. And Laurie spoke um, a few times about having a mentor and, and the effect that that's had on him. And I think that is really important. And he said he's got a few, which I think is really important too, that you get mentors that are, are going to give you the right information. They're going to challenge you at the right time but also help you progress. So that was great to speak to Laurie about all those things and I hope you enjoyed the episode with him. We have our next network meeting very close now. It's only it's just about a week away or just over a week away depending on you listen, when you listen to this. So on Friday the 12th of July, we're heading down to Leighton Orient. So Leighton Orient Stadium and Ross Bennett is going to be presenting for us. So really looking forward to that. To get your ticket, head over to footballfitfed.com, click network meetings and events at the top, and that'll take you through to the to where to get your ticket for the event. It'll be great to see as many practitioners there as as possible. 
And to follow on from the, the meeting down in Solent with um, Chris Neville and Mark Armitage, which you get some great feedback about, and it sounds like there were some top discussions down there as well. So that's what we'll be looking to do again at, at Leighton Orient. We have got a few meetings as well that we will be confirming very soon. Some exciting meetings at different places. We're trying to get around as many places as possible. If you do know anyone that would like to host or if you would like to host the meeting, please get in touch. Um, just drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. And then also, next week's guest is actually our first OBE. It was a really, really good episode. It's already recorded. I really enjoyed recording that episode. And that came from a recommendation. So if you do have any recommendations of any guests that you'd like to hear on the show, please drop us an email again, mail at footballfitfed.com. And it'd be great to hear who you want to um, listen to on the show. And I'll reach out to them and see if they're interested in coming on. Massive thank you again for listening. Go and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FootballFitFed. And we'll speak to you again next week.